Welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Male newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. All right, here we go. Greg Scheinman with you. Another episode of the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you for joining me this week and every week as our mission here on the Midlife Mail Podcast is to help men maximize middle age and get back what matters most. And I'm super stoked to bring you guys each and every week who are out there living their message, giving us the opportunity to learn from them, hear from them, advice, tips, as I always say, aggregate and curate the best of what's out there and then eliminate what does not work for you. So I'm extremely grateful for all the guys that come on the podcast and for all of you each and every week who keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. I'm also super, super excited to announce to you that my book, The Midlife Mail, a no-bullshit guide to living better, longer, happier, healthier, and wealthier, and having more fun in your 40s and 50s, which includes more sex, and what guy doesn't want that, is now available for pre-sales on Amazon and wherever books can be ordered. So go check it out. If you go over to Amazon, all you got to do, type in Midlife Mail, Greg Scheinman. The book will pop up. You can pre-order it now. There's a hardcover version. There's an audiobook version. And November 1st is the day that that book will get out to you. So thank you again for the support. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. All right. Joining me on the show today, Lon Strohshine. Lon is a guy I came across on LinkedIn, and he had launched Normal 40, which really is a community helping executives, leaders, and business owners build their second half story. Lon's a super, super impressive guy. He's a 13-year public company executive. He's a husband. He's a dad. He's a pilot, a friend, and he is, as I mentioned, the founder of The Normal 40. And his second half story is to help a 1,000 people write their second half story and live it. To be more precise, the mission is to have a thousand people write him a thank you note or create a video of gratitude for helping them to change their lives. He's a guy who decided to make his next phase the best phase of his life and to redefine what a normal 40 really looks like. So this is obviously right in my wheelhouse, right along the Midlife Mail 
mission and mantra. And it was great to have Lon come on. And one of the reasons and one of the things we talked about was this notion of supporting you know, one another and how we could conceivably see one another as competitors. And the reality is, the truth is, guys, that's not what this is about. What this is about is helping everyone get better. And that, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go, go together. So this is all about inclusion. This is all about helping one another lift each other up, helping to build community, helping as many men and women and anyone at any age and stage of their lives transform from mediocre, as I say, to maximized. And there's what Lon says, make 40 and beyond normal and what that really looks like. So this was super cool. Just a couple of dudes getting together, chopping it up on things that we truly believe in, that motivate and inspire us and what it looks like to make this next phase of life your best phase. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Lon Strohshine, the normal 40 dude, right here on the Midwife Mail Podcast. Lon Strohshine joining me today. And I got to tell you, I'm super, super excited for this conversation in particular because, you know, Lon is out there. He's a guy living his message. I can truly relate to, to his situation and what he has embarked on um, as a guy in his 40s with a calling for the next phase of his life. I mean, we're going to dig into this job, career, publicly traded company, you know, overhead life, everything and saying, hey, where, what does my normal 40 look like? You know, what does this next thing look like? Um, and you know, I'm all about that and trying to figure it out and learn from the best and the brightest out there and guys that are out there, you know, doing it, trying to figure it out as we go. So, Lon, thanks for joining me today. We got a lot to unpack. I am just ready to, to dive in on this. Mm-hmm. Greg, I'm uh, I'm super pumped, man. And I love look what people may or may not know, and they may or may not respect. I don't care. We're just we're two dudes showing up. We cross paths on LinkedIn because of our our theme and our messages are just absolutely aligned. Our missions are aligned. But this is the first time. I mean, like we're in the first six minutes of of uh, time that we've ever communicated one to one, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is one of the beauties of, again, finding people, finding like-minded people in the ways that you come across one another today. Um, People can say what they want about social media, you know, and the pros and cons of all of it and the LinkedIn and everything else. But I'm a big proponent that have utilized correctly, you know, and productively, you can develop some really great relationships. You can find some people that really, again, align with what, what your life's mission is and what you're all about. And then in a lot of ways, sometimes also the distance, the geographical distance is beneficial. Like, Hey, we can connect, we can talk about things, we can align, we can know what our purpose, our life is, what we're going to do every day. And by the way, then let's just go do it. You know, like I know you're out there doing it where you are, you know, that I'm out there doing it. And when we connect, it's like, all right, catch me up. What have you done? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. I, I, I do. I love it. So let me ask you, let me ask you first, like, first of all, you know, let's, let's just kind of set the room a little bit right now. Like, like, where are you? Mm -hmm. Where are you set up? It looks beautiful behind you. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. So I'm in lovely Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the more tropical of the Dakotas. Uh, if you will. And, uh, and it's, it's beautiful out here now, 
Uh, it's easy to recruit people into South Dakota when it's in August, but it gets a little bit more challenging when it's in January. But that's where I, that's home. I'm a South Dakota farm kid, born and raised here. I've lived my whole life in and around different parts of the state, but the last 20 years I've been in, in Sioux Falls. Okay. So what have you been doing? Okay. Before, and we're going to get into this next, you know, as a guy who is, has, you know, has, has been involved in business, you know, and life, give me a little bit, you know, for the guys that are out there, a little bit of the backstory of, of your kind of upbringing career trajectory situation, situation. Yeah. Um, well, it can get kind of long, but I'll keep it pretty short. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a South Dakota farm kid. I was going to be a farmer. In fact, I went to college and I got an ag business degree with the intent of going home and taking over the family farm uh, as the fourth generation owner operator of the, of the farm. And it got to be January before a May graduation in 1999 and my phone rang. And it was the United States Senator's office. And he asked me if I'd be interested in going to work for him, helping him write a farm bill and, uh, and then being his eyes and ears while he was in Washington, D.C. And I remember getting off that phone call in this little apartment in my college hometown where I was at. And I was thinking to myself, well, this call might never happen again. Uh, and I'm scared that if I don't embrace it and chase it, I might be sitting in a tractor in two or four or 10 or 20 years from now saying, what if I'd have said yes? So that, that made my decision for me. I, uh, I went home and I did one of the hardest things in my life that I've done to this point, which is tell my dad, my plan has changed, which means his plan had changed. You know, his whole life, he, he had thought I was going to come home and be the, be the next generation on the farm. Um, and I, at the time, you know, uh, I probably underappreciated that he and I've talked about it since, and, and I've got a, a deeper sense of appreciation for it. But anyway, I went and I, I did, I worked for U.S. Senator for, for five years. After that, I decided um, I was married. I got married during that time and we were starting a family. And I decided that um, living in public service and, um, and just, you know, the, the pace of politics was, was, was more than what I wanted to put a family through. So I left and I went to a bank um, and I had a, somebody, an acquaintance that I made through the process who owned a couple billion dollar bank here in South Dakota. And he gave me a job that usually a very tenured banker would have. He took a risk on me uh, and it worked out pretty well for both of us, I think. Uh, fast forward for about five years, I worked for him. I created a private client group. Well, one of my clients was becoming the CEO of a public company in town. And he recruited me out of the bank to set up businesses for an ag technology business to set up distribution around the world. I didn't even have a passport at the time, but there again, um, this, this guy shows up in my life and offers me the ability to go travel the world, um, set up distribution for a very profitable, well-known company. And I thought to myself, well, this call might never happen again. I can come back to a, any bank I want to at any point, but I might never get this chance again. So I did. I went and uh, I was there for 14 years, the last seven of which so I, I, I worked a couple of years traveling the world, a couple of years running an aerospace and defense contracting company as the president of a division. Uh, and then the last six years, I ran mergers and acquisitions for the company. Mm. Amazing. What a trajectory you know, in yeah. there, too. And let me, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I'm 48. Okay, 48. So we're, we're close. I'll be 50 in, in December. Mm -hmm. yeah. Married, kids. Like, what? Here's what we got. We've got uh, my wife, Mindy, who's a kindergarten teacher. Okay. I would, I would put her against any kindergarten teacher 
from coast to coast. She's a, she's a monster, man. She is a gift and the, and the kids and the parents know it. And then I got three kids, you know, I'm in an interesting place in my life. I've got an 18 year old daughter. Um, we, uh, one week from tomorrow, we'll be taking her to college. So the first one out of the nest. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's going to be a surreal moment. You know, if, if you've got kids that have gone through high school, you know, you know, the trajectory and Mm -hmm. you kind of start weaning, uh, through that process because they're just gone. They're always involved and they're active and they're just gone anyway. It'll be different when the bedroom is empty and the car is not in the driveway. And, and we've got that to look forward to, but that's, we're at that stage of life with, with her. Um, and then I've got a 16 year old son who's an incoming junior. He's into all, he's into the arts. He's a guitar and, and drummer, but he's also plays football and, and other things. He co- and then he coaches my young, my, my third born, my youngest, who's 10, he coaches his flag football team. So I've got a gapper uh, in there. They're, those two are separated by six and a half years. So girl, boy, boy. Nice. And and thank you for sharing all this. Cause I do, I think it's important, you know, for, for the guys that are out there that are listening to this and I'm always like, okay, like I want to understand the situation. All of our situations are different. Okay. You know, what, what is the career look like and the responsibilities? What is kind of the lifestyle look like? I mean, what's going on at home? You know, it's one thing to be, you know, single and making decisions. It's another thing to be, to be married and making decisions. It's another thing to be in either a, you know, a single income family or dual income family. And what are the, if you've got children, what are the ages of the children? And there are all these dynamics and they're in the bucket, you know, of again, how we make decisions and determinations and what are our, our priorities. And I know you work with a lot of guys too. And we've got about this, like we get into the yes or no, like, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? And what's the process, you know, to that? And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. And we talk about why and how, like why you take the job you know, and answer that call. You know? Then also the, the how, like, I'm curious as we unpack this again, and there's so many similarities here. Um, I've got an 18 year old who actually just turned 19 and we're taking him to college on Monday. You know, our first one, where's, where's your daughter going? She's going about an hour north of town here, uh, my alma mater, actually. So she's made the she's made the cheer team. So she's a dear one D one athlete, and uh, and so we 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 seriously couldn't be more proud. But it's going to be a change, man. It's yeah, it it is. I mean, we're um we're dealing with that too. You know, we leave Monday for Boulder, Colorado, to take our oldest son to college, and it's like, ugh. You know, like it's exciting. Yeah. It's it's happening. It, it's scary. Again, the room will be will be empty. Um, and our 16-year-old is actually running around New York. He's into the arts too. I guess he's into all kinds of fashion and design and style. He's in New York with his mom, you know, right now, after 10 days in San Diego playing flag football, you know, also himself out there. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of similarities there. And I'm smiling yeah, as sure. you're as you're talking. Um, kind of going going back a little bit. Um First and foremost, you know, getting a call from a senator to come and work for them. Well, kind of, it begs the question to me, like, okay, why? You know, why you? You know, why do you think you got that call in in the first place? Yeah, man, it's a great question. Um, you know, a couple of things. If we're being honest, South Dakota is a small state, so. We have access here different than you'd have in Texas or, you know, New York or California, the other communities that, that, that you've mentioned just in the last few minutes. And so um, this particular senator was um, from the same basic part of the state that I was from. 
So two things, my namesake, um, my family's namesake didn't hurt me. And the second thing is, is he, he really needed someone who's, who understand, who understood farming was a, he wanted a farm kid. He was writing a farm bill and he was the leader of the United States Senate at the time. So this wasn't just a random newbie. This was the guy who was going to be authoring with his committees, the, the farm bill. And so he wanted somebody that he could put up and put forward that had cred. Um, obviously he wanted somebody from his home state. And so he talked to a bunch of professors and they gave him some names. And when he saw my name as somebody he knew, it gave me, look, it just put me in a position, uh, equal parts luck and um, um, effort and skill. But it put me in a position to get that phone call where I, where others just didn't get it. And that's what happened, man. I I would love to say that this was this huge competition and I beat out 30 other guys. I didn't. I didn't. Um, it was it was part of my inheritance. And I use that term to define the stuff you get when you're born. You know, we, you think about inheritance being a financial uh, something that's bestowed upon you financially. Mm-hmm. I talk about it in just the luck or misery of the situation you were born into. I happened to be born into a place that was had a successful farm and was in proximity to where uh, this particular United States senator is from. Total luck. But it worked. Look, and and the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I appreciate the transparency on it because with these situations, there's a couple of ways you can go. And I think it's important to acknowledge I could be entitled and sit back in it. I could seize opportunity. Again, I could take it. I could have to have a heart to heart with my dad. My life trajectory can change. You know, I mean, and we also continue to make our own luck. We could be starting with certain advantages or disadvantages. And some of those disadvantages could end up really proving to be advantages later on in life. And in my situation in particular, as I've talked about, some of the advantages and entire things that I was born with and turned out to be kind of a disadvantage, you know, created some disillusionment, created entitlement, created situations that I had to work deeply to kind of, you know, restore, repair, and figure out how life really worked in there. That's exactly right, man. So, So really, really cool stuff there. Um, as somebody who also spent about 14 years in a big company, which I did myself, um, had pursuing entrepreneurship early on, being more of a risk taker, I ended up kind of shifting gears into, into the risk management side. And everyone thought I was crazy you know, after what I had done, kind of going into a professional services business. And at the time, we were a mid-sized firm that became a rather, rather large firm and ultimately you know, sold to a publicly traded company. 14 years is a long time. Hmm? You know, and I struggled a lot with authenticity. I struggled a lot with, with identity, you know, and kind of where the place was in it. And, and, I'm, and I'm curious in your you know, experience, you know, as a guy who seems to have, be an individual also with a lot of interesting and fun hobbies, and we'll get into that, hmm? what that really felt like to you going into a company, you know, how does one stay in a way, <laughs> thrive, prosper, manage, whether it's 14 years is a, long, is a long time. And that's what I hear from a lot of guys, like, do I stay? Do I go? You know, when's the right time? You know, being responsible to my, to my family. Am I being responsible to myself? Is there an end game, you know, here? You know? What is it? You know, how did you approach it kind of, maybe even start kind of middle and even to, you know, to the end. I know there's a lot, a lot there, but man, I, I'm fascinated by it. 
Yeah, you know, um, I think there's there's this question that that has guided me. There's two questions. There's two questions that have always guided me. The first one is, will I regret it if I don't? And I've I've talked about that. I've talked about when you've got a choice to make, you're gonna. That means you've got a trade to make. You're gonna trade one for the other. Don't don't mix it up. Don't try to you know think that you can have the best of both. Maybe you can, but probably not. Probably what you're going to do is spend a whole bunch of time frustrated trying to get it all. So you get this trade. So the first question is, will I regret it if I don't? And you know, that that guided me. That guided me absolutely to Raven. So then the question about how Raven was the company I worked for, a public company. Mm-hmm. It was acquired by uh, CNHI case. And um, uh, then the second, the second um, question is, um, is my work here done? And think about that. Think about if you're a dude listening to this and you're frustrated and you, you've got these things and you, you know, you've got a better story in you, but you're not able to live it where you're at. And you're wondering why you're staying because you feel an allegiance and you've got colleagues and you've got friends and you've got all this life you've built around the company you work for. But if what you're feeling, if you can't define it, if you can't name it, if you can't label it, ask yourself this question. Is your work here done? And if you say, if if you think back and say, that's it, my my work here is done. I was hired to do these five things. I'm done. Now I'm lost. I don't know what to do. It's time to change. It's time to trade. It's time to do something else. And so inside a Raven, I would get to these places, and one of two things would happen. I would, um, one the first time my the ceo came to me when i was i was doing international business and he asked me to take over an aerospace and defense uh division he decided for me he came to me and said i want you to do this job it's a big promotion we're going to make you a, we're going to make you a public company executive um and uh and i want you to run the aerospace and defense contract division he decided my work was done where i was at and he wanted to place me there and of course i was like hell yeah let's do this thing man um, and I did that for, for just about six years. I was in that role and I decided, you know, I was, I was having some six, I had a ton of success, but I was starting to feel it. Five years is my, that's my number. If you look at my history and I was beyond that five-year mark and between the CEO and myself, um, probably more him than me. He's like, your work here is done. I, I've got I've, you've done what you needed to do here. Now I need you to go here and do mergers and acquisitions, which I did for the, the remaining six and a half years of my time there. But it was a balance of those two things. Well, I regret it if I don't. And is my work here done? And the moment you have clarity on those two answers, you have clarity on what you should do. Now that doesn't make it easy. You still have work to do, but at least you know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's great. It's it's great. And it also sounds like, again, from a relationship standpoint, you were in a positive situation where you know you could one kind of almost self-determine whether you ask yourself that question, whether your work was done, but then also you were in an environment in a system that was also open to change, that had elevation, that had possibility of promotion and other and other things to do. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about is is also mm-hmm. can you change? Mm-hmm, your, your life and your perspective on life and ask yourself that same question when maybe the opportunity internally to let's say change or take on something is done, but that doesn't, again, do you have to leave? Like for example, 
maybe the individual or the 40 something year old guy who is the attorney or he is the accountant and he's in the business, he's in a business and he's there. Maybe the, my work here is, I don't know if my work here will ever necessarily be done. You know, I'm a partner in this firm or I'm working in this firm. It's this, I am going to be doing the same thing, but I know I need to evolve as a person. Maybe I can do that externally. Again, do I have to leave to another thing or can I approach what I do maybe a little bit differently, you know, and stay. Do you work kind of with guys in that, in a little bit of that conundrum? Like, hey, Lon, I'd love to stay. I'd love for them to move me to a different department. right? Now. But, you know, the conversation I have with my partner or my boss is, no, man, we need you doing what you're doing, okay? You do it really, really well. You bill X number of hours. You do this. Like, we, like how do you find your fulfillment, you know, and your per- elsewhere in a way? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a good question. I, I feel like, um, I get, I get kind of labeled as the guy who motivates guys to quit, quit, not quit, leave, leave their job, find, find fulfillment elsewhere. And sometimes that's the case. A lot of times that's the case because that's the right next thing to do. But me, I don't care. I don't care if a client of mine leaves or stays. What I care about is, do they know what they want really versus what they think they should do next? Those are different things. You Mm -hmm. you live the first 45 years of your life or the first 20 years of professional career with a pretty clear understanding of what you should do next. You get a job, you go for the promotion. Somebody comes and says, we should have you in this division. You go after it. You get a, there's an opportunity to grow your title and grow your, but it's all kind of there. And maybe that's for you for the next 20 years too. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Maybe your work really is done and whatever you're doing. Uh, But I I really spend a lot of time in a lot of conversations understanding. uh, Let me say something else. Let me say it a little bit differently. When I get to a point, I've I've decided that after thousands of conversations with a thousand dudes um, that you arrive at this feeling through a thousand different paths. And it doesn't matter if you're an attorney, if you're an ER doc, if you're an operations manager, you're an IT director, you're an oiled field executive, you arrive at a feeling that's the same. How you get there is a thousand different paths, but you arrive at the same feeling. And ultimately you get to this place where, where you know you've got this discontent and you're feeling uh, like you just, it's not working the way it was. And you're, you're, you're starting to feel the guilt of family that's getting older and you just, but you don't know what to do about it. So you get to this point and you're like, I got to do something and I'm willing to trade it. I'm willing to trade my image, my title, my pay. I'm willing to trade it, but you don't know what you're going to trade it for. So the whole conversation is what do I want? And then I ask people that it's like, what do you want? And I get this every time when I say, Hey, Greg, what do you want? This is the reaction I get. I don't know. I've never thought about what I want. I knew what I should do next. That's how I got here, but I don't know what I really want. So the whole conversation, and then they feel embarrassed and all these things that I felt. And I'm like, dude, it's normal. Hence the name normal 40. You got to wrestle with these things. Um, and it takes time. It'll take you months. It'll take you months to know. That's part of the plan. Plan on that. And then we just start down that path. Mm-hmm. 
when did you start scratching that itch? Thinking about what it is that you really want? Was there a specific tipping point? Was it, you know, 10 years? You know, I talk about, okay, sitting in the parking lot of my office building, my 10-year anniversary, reserved parking spot, you know, nice car, big office on the 25th floor, happy family, everything else, and being like paralyzed, like to even wanting to go inside, you know, any like, like, okay, 10 years, like, is this what my life has become? Do I stay here for another 10? Do I start to think about a transition out? What is our overhead? You know, like I remember like that day pretty vividly when I got this like email notification, like happy anniversary or like, and I just knew like I'd seen this in the company, like, oh, there's going to be a balloon like on my tied to my chair, you know, with a, with a plaque. You know, that that's weighing it down to keep it from rising up to the ceiling. And we give this to like everybody. And I would walk into the office and you'd always see them in somebody's office or cube or where, oh, it's somebody's five-year anniversary, one-year anniversary, or 10-year. Great. I'm going to get, I'm going to walk into a, I'm going to pardon my, I'm going to walk into a fucking balloon, like on my chair for 10 years, questioning everything, you know, right now. And I don't even know if I want to go inside and see that balloon right now because of what it represents. And there's nothing wrong with the, it wasn't anything about the company, wasn't anything about the people, wasn't anything about the job or the career. It was a hundred percent about me. And to your your question, do I know what I really want? Did you? At that particular moment, no. I knew what I didn't want. I think I was gaining clarity on what I didn't want. You knew it to trade. Right. But I didn't know what I was going to trade it for, you know, to your to your point, I mean, when did this start happening for you? Because you've, you've effectively, you've made a trade. All in, mm-hmm. no turning back. I don't even have a resume. Don't have one. If somebody asks me for one, I don't, I, don't, I literally don't, I haven't had one in 14 years. Be interesting. And I want, and I want you to continue. I don't either. We're going to come back to that, yeah, but I man. do want to talk about what I've swapped a resume for, what I've traded a resume for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, my, my, um, my moment wasn't like yours. I didn't have one. Um, for, for me, it, it just happened and it happened slowly. Um, but I remember, I remember I was probably 44 um, and, uh, and I'm 48 now. So about four years ago, and I left the company um, in February, February one of this year was my last day with the company. And, um, and it happened slowly. I didn't have a moment in the parking lot. But I remember coming to work on a few days and I, I knew that maybe I wasn't working quite as hard as I was last year or the year before. Now, let's be honest. Um, you don't get to the positions we had without being an above average contributor and where I don't think anybody else knew. In fact, if anybody else would have known, I was in the type of company who would, they would have let me know. Um, they wouldn't have tolerated it. And, and, but I felt it, I, it wasn't a moment, but I felt me, my, my level of interest in a few things. One, the next promotion was it, it, it was coming down. I wasn't chasing as aggressively. If it happened, great. If it didn't fine, I'd never had that before. So that was interesting to me. Um, and I quit kind of volunteering myself for these big high profile um, opportunities in the company. 
I did some of them, but I was usually asked. I wasn't the one saying I'll do this and I'll do it better. Anyway, I just, I quit doing that. And so I, I started to, mm. I, I started to feel a little bit different and then I'd come to work and I'd, I'd analyze it. I would think about it. I think about what am I feeling? What is this telling me? What, what should I be learning from this? And, um, then the question that hits everybody, everybody who's in their mid forties and they go through this, you, it happened to you in the parking lot. You just told me about it. You, you asked the golden question. Well, is this it? Is, is this it? Is this what I'm going to do for the next 10 years? And then in the very next breath, you sit there and go, well, holy shit. If this is it, shouldn't I just be thankful? Shouldn't I just be on my knees giving thanks that I've got this job and I've got income and I've got these relationships and I've got these capabilities and I've got my health and I've got my family. What am I thinking? Of course, I should just be happy with this. Shame on me for wondering if there's more. So that would buy me another six months. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I would come back to, well, that was pretty fun. I'd had a really good year, a great quarter. I, I crushed it, but is this it? Is this what I'm going to? And eventually I realized that I got to figure this out. So I went and I got my coaching certification, not to coach others, but to figure myself out. Why? Because mm-hmm. I'm a dude and I couldn't ask for help. I couldn't ask other people. I couldn't ask another dude. I could never have the type of intimate relationship with a guy a colleague or a friend and say, Hey, uh, Greg, I got to tell you, I know that on the outside, I look like I got it put together, but man, I'm not feeling it. I don't, I'm not, I'm just, I don't think my future's here. I don't think I want to keep doing this. I don't know what I want to do. I'm kind of lost. Dudes don't have that conversation. We don't. So I had to figure it out for myself. Um, and that's what I did. I went and got my executive coaching certification and it was ridiculously helpful. For me, it made me better executive, outward looking, um, but it taught me how to use my ears more than my mouth. And, um, and that, changed, that changed my life because I, I could hear others, of course, but I could also hear myself differently. And, uh, and that was super helpful. So mine wasn't a moment. Mine was a uh, smoldering. And, uh, and it finally got to the point where I said, I'm gonna, it's time for me to deal with this. And mm. it's time for me to go. Really, really good stuff. Uh, and, and so many takeaways from that too, where one, starting with the what you want. And there's so much we can get into, you know, there. Like I call that, you know, for me, like rule number one, knowing what's important is what's most important. Until we figure that out, it's it's really hard to go anywhere else. Because kind of hard to develop a map, kind of hard to develop a plan, kind of if you don't really know what's most important to you, you know, and again, what you what you really want. And I don't think it's a quick answer, Mm -hmm. as you said, Mm -hmm. because we haven't asked that question for a very long period of time. And most of us, including myself, didn't know. She said, I know I want to make a trade, but I don't know what player I want to trade for. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what sport I'm even wanting to play. Mm -hmm. I don't know what any of this really looks like. There's a lot of options out there. So how much time is it going to take me to figure it out? How much runway do I need? Again, to your point, do we stay? Do we go? Is anybody else noticing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I good at hiding this maybe or not? Do I ask or speak to anybody? Like you're making up all kinds of, do I ask or speak to anybody? I don't want to dump this on my colleagues or business partners because then it's like, wow, I might be looked upon very, very differently mm-hmm. in there. To your point, whether it becomes promotion, maybe sending you to go somewhere and do something good on behalf of the company. Maybe it's equity options, whatever. Maybe it's, hey, 
Like this guy's on the, on the edge of leaving. You know, there's a lot, there's, you know, there's a lot there. So what do we do? And in your case, you invested in yourself with the coaching. In my situation, you know, it was the first time I had invested in a coach also. It was the first time I was, I said, Hey, and, and got some advice. I was like, you don't really have anybody to talk to. Like you're not dumping this on your friends. You're not bringing this home to your wife. Mm -hmm. You're not dumping it on your kids. I don't have a dad, you know, to go to. I lost my dad when I was when I was 17 and he was 47. And I'm here I am at that, you know, that age, you know, also. Like, where do you go for an like I don't have the answers? I better start asking some questions. It was the first time I explored getting a coach. It actually didn't occur to me at the time that your process of let me get my coaching certificate, let me invest in education, let me learn versus talking to me. Well, also what a good option. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I invested in a coach. And it was actually similar to your process around the time that I launched the podcast. I was like, I know, I know how to make things. And by the way, here's a perfectly good opportunity in a way that I can ask questions without sounding like I'm the one who needs all the help. And I'm the one who's being super vulnerable. And I'm the one that doesn't have any of the answers. I actually am required now to ask the questions if I set this up. So let me go invite a bunch of guys on that are way smarter than I am, that have way more experience. Let me ask them the questions that I would love to actually ask. I love it. Like one-on-one, like sitting at home or sitting at or wherever, because these are the things I really need the answers for. And by the way, I'm willing to pay for it. Hmm? And now I actually am paying for it in a private room. It was this weird situation that I had set it up. It's like, let me go do all this with my coach. Let me cry. Let me ask all these questions. Let me try to figure it all out. And by the way, let me invite other guys on the show and ask them all the same questions that I just paid for the privilege of being able to ask and see if I get any different answers. <laughs> I love it. And let me whittle it down at that point to what I actually think works, you know, for me. A little bit from Lon and a little bit from Bob and a little bit from Steve. And, a bit. and if I throw all that shit in the bucket, like, okay, what actually works for Greg? And it did help I'm like, to figure out what do I want? I What's agree. possible? It, it probably did two things, though. Um, it probably did two things. Yes, you're exactly right. It helped you figure it out. But the other thing it helped you do is realize that what you were feeling was actually normal. It didn't make you ill or lazy or burned out or flamed out or a quitter. It made you freaking normal to have this moment in your life. You're like, maybe my best days are in front of me and maybe they can't be had in this office. Maybe I better do something about that. That is normal. I named my company Normal 40 because I think you have to appreciate for a moment that you might not be the odd man out, but you might be the exact, you might be going through the exact same thing that so many others are, but nobody's talking about it. This is what, this is why dudes like you and me, the one thing I'd say, I wish I love your journey. Look, I went and I got my, I tried to figure myself out. It took me three years. My mm -hmm. bet is when you hired a coach, when you found, went out and found the Greg Scheinman for you, it probably didn't take you three years to figure out who it is you wanted to be. You probably did it much quicker. My path was longer. I don't know that I'd recommend it. I wouldn't recommend finding yourself through more education. Find yourself through somebody who that's what they do. And I think uh, I, I think that it might, you will spend, dudes will spend 
more money on the stupidest stuff, especially if you add it up over the course of the year. And by the way, I'm talking about me, Mm -hmm. but yet they shy away from spending thousands of dollars on the clarity of how they want to live the rest of their life. And Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I just, I get it because guess what? I just told you, I avoided that. I went and got my own. So I get it, but man, I think you did it the right way. I don't, I don't, I think that's, um, and I appreciate it, but I think really one of the, the points and hopefully one of the takeaways here is that there is no one right way. You know, I think you nailed it with, you know, normal in there and that all of these things, emotions, you know, physical, mental, financial, spiritual, I mean, all of these things are, are, are normal. You know? The questions, the feelings, whatever they may be, there's no one way you know, to solve them or to resolve them, you could get there over three years and going this way. Now, by the time I probably think I hired the coach, I was able to make progress more efficiently and more effectively. When to your point also out there, and what I hope is a takeaway, there's also no quick. I also consider myself a slow learner and a late bloomer. And this was a multi-year process where I said earlier that I got paid a lot of money for a couple of years to host a podcast and write a newsletter. The reality is it was my company that was paying me because I stayed and did not leave my job, but rather found a way to figure out what it is that I want by launching you know, what ultimately became Midlife Mail, the podcast and the newsletter and saying, I'm going to do that kind of on the side. You know, I'm going to do that even there's, you know, kind of, from the office at times. And what ended up happening, it ended up helping me cultivate different kinds of clients, approaching my work a little bit differently, thinking about pacing and time. And then ultimately you came to a conclusion where you left and said, and I want to get into kind of the specifics. We had a situation with our company where there was an actual acquisition that to me was much earlier than I thought it was going to be. And one of the sighs of relief for me became I actually wasn't sure if I was going to be able to hang on for that actual day to come. When that day actually came, it was earlier than I expected. And for, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else. For some at our firm, it was the beginning of the new beginning. Let's go. Let's go. For me, it was the beginning of, okay, like, thank you, Seattle. Good night. I think it's time for me to go now. Like, I think we got closure, you know, here on it. Um, So, yeah. I can't tell you exactly how many years it is um, of the entire process, but I know it's it's not less than three, you know, and somewhere in there, it's not more than five. And I thought it was going to be, but situations beyond even my control dictated certain actions and reactions. And here we are. Yeah, I, th- I think you said it best when you said there's no one right way. I mean, it's just so true. The, the only thing that you can do that's right and and do it can with conviction is to start start getting curious about what it is that's creating this discontent and if you show up thinking that an afternoon phone call or a beer with a friend or a week of good conversations is going to deliver that answer you're going to you're going to show up disappointed uh you and I we're a 100% aligned on that. And it's like, how long does it take to catch a fish, right? 
you look, you might, you might luck out, you might catch one right away, or you could sit there for three or four days. And this, this, the, how long does it take you to discover what your, what your life's second half mission is? Maybe you can, maybe you're really tuned in and it, and it's something you can figure out in a shorter period of time. More than likely though, it is going to take you, it is going to take you months and months and months, if not a few years. The Midwife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midwifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midwife Mail discounts and promotions. And the process though of just starting, which I love, I, I just start. Yeah. Is the beginning of, I think, making each day a little bit better. Yeah. Back to exploring curiosity, you know, embracing curiosity, starting to take that step, understanding that there's progress in just learning and trying to figure it out. And that maybe the clarity will come, you know, the, the, the journey will start to kind of feed, you know, towards the destination, you know, in there too, versus, stagnation, complacency, conformity, redundancy. The other part of it, as you said, hey, why am I just not happy? Hmm? How many months and years does that take to get over? And we're like, listen, I make a good living. I've got a good job. Again, I've got my health. I've got my family. What am I complaining about? Hmm? What's wrong with me that I actually may want more or or, or something different in there? Seems like everyone. It's enough for everybody else or whatever. Like I'm doing a pretty good job of keeping up with whoever the Joneses are. I think I'm ahead, quite frankly, of a, of a lot of them. You know, why am I not fulfilled? Hmm? You know, or why is there maybe a level of, of, of discontent, you know, there? That in itself takes a real long time. Because you may also be talking about changing your, not just changing your profession, but maybe cha- you know, changing some of the things you do each day, changing some of the people that you're around. Hmm? changing, you know, whatever has become again, to your normal. And again, maybe you need a new normal. Neither one is abnormal. That's right. This one may just not really be the one for me. This group, this place, these people, this routine, the schedule may just not be the one for me. You fly planes, right? I do. Hmm? Like if I don't want to go up in the air, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, probably not the right friend for you. You know what I mean? Like, I go wrong. <laughs> hey, let's go up. Let's go flying. I'm going to take us from South Dakota over here. We're going to do this. I'm afraid to go up in the air, man. Like probably not a great fit, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, I just think that, that that's such a, you know, it's kind of finding the like-minded people out there and the environment, which is leading me kind of to, to my next question. When you decided to, brand normal 40. When you decided to put yourself out there, you know, like this, and you've built communities now and you coach guys, like, what were you hoping for? Like, was it self-serving? Like, was it to be of service? Was it in a way self-serving? Like, I mean, it's a bit like, I'm going to put myself out there. Hmm? Yeah. You know, I wish I had a, a really executive level you know, look at what a great visionary I am answer for this. And I don't, 
I would tell you that um, I remember the first time I posted to LinkedIn that was something that wasn't sharing about something my company was doing. You know, that's pretty easy to show up as a as an executive and say, "Oh, look, we made the newspaper for for doing X, Y, and Z." That's pretty. You know, nobody reads it really, and and uh, and it feels good to feel like you're you're helping your company, and and that's fine. But I remember the first time I went out there, and and I I should go back and look, but it was something benign in, in, in reality, but it was, it was something about, um, just being sure that, that, um, um, you have a place to connect to when you're not working. I mean, it was just, it was that benign. It was, but it had nothing to do with Raven. It was a thought from Lon, the not, not executive dude, a thought for me. And I remember putting it out there and I remember posting, I'm like, God, dang it. What are people going to think of this? And, uh, and, you know, not much came of it. I have no idea what kind of traffic it got. It doesn't matter. The point is I showed up initially just curious, just curious about what I was feeling. Um, fast forward as I, as I, uh, and I did that for just a little period of time. So like I said, I left in February and before I left, I had known for probably about 60 days I was out and, and everybody, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd communicated it. It was great. My relationship with with, um, uh, the company was, was, and is great. And, uh, and so I've got nothing but wonderful things to say. So I told them I was, I was planning to leave. And it, it was at that point while I was still at the company, but out, I had signed my separation agreement and, uh, that I just, des- I decided to just talk about what I was going through. And, and my post was something along the lines of, I had a wonderful offer from a wonderful company to make more than I ever thought I would make in my life. And it didn't feel right. And so I left and now I'm going to go figure it out. And my inbox blew up there again, going back to it's normal. It's normal. So people are feeling this really. And so I'm like, well, I got to keep showing up here for the people who, who need this. And by the way, all I got to do is talk about me. All I have to do is talk about what I was feeling, what I was going through, what I was wrestling with, what I couldn't figure out by myself. Um, and I had to do it in a way that was vulnerable and open and, and just see what happens. And the more I did it, um, the more people just continued to show up. And so I didn't set out. If you'd have told me, Greg, if you if you and I had, had this conversation one year ago and you'd had a crystal ball and said, hey, dude, I really think that you're going to be helping dudes somewhere in their midlife who are making a lot of money, doing really well, living life by the book. You're going to help them figure out if that's really what they want to do for the next 10 years. I would have literally laughed out loud at you. I'm like, why would they listen to me, man? I don't, that's not what I do. And (laughs) what I've discovered since is that is exactly what my second half story is. My second half story is to help people get clarity and conviction about the life they want to have, knowing it'll be hard and not easy, but worth the trade and help them make the trade. Um, Mm -hmm. What it is, is on them, but getting there and having a plan to, to know it, that's what I help. That's what I show up to help people do. Mm. Did you, like, as you're doing this now with other men, and you're when you made that decision, awesome. okay, I'm getting this. I have an offer. Again, I can stay, you know, nobody's pushing me out the door, you know, um, good or bad. And, and, and by the way, there's sometimes getting pushed out the door is the best thing also, because sometimes look, I'll even tell you in my case, like, I wish I had had more courage and more conviction at a certain, at a certain point to 
have made decisions by myself without having to have been pushed, you know? And I'm really grateful to some guys that pushed me to say, look, man, like you probably should go do something else. Like you like, like we can, like there's other, and you know, and you gotta be grateful for some of that too, you know? Um, you know, there, cause it, this stuff takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes, and sometimes we're not there. Or we don't see things the way even others see it, you know, that, that is out there. When you had this opportunity, okay, I'm still wanted, you know, I'm, I'm wanted here. You know, like I can conceive, write my own ticket. If the measure of success is salary and title, by the way, they're, they're offering it to me. Like here it is, you know, overall. Yeah. If that's not aligning of what I think my metric for success is and what the re- next phase of my life really looks like, and I'm looking to say no to this, like, did you have your kind of, I guess, checklist, you know, they're like, did you have a number? Like, again, did you go back, hey, here's how much it costs us to live. You know, here's how much we have. Here's how much, or uh, again, like, just tough questions. I've had benefits my whole life. You know, I've had stuff, like whatever else it is to make sure that I can also responsibly afford to do this. Mm-hmm. And my dogs are going bonkers. I don't know if you can hear that right now, but well, You're good. welcome, You're welcome good. to the normal 40 where our yeah. Amazon is at my door every day. And, and they like to greet the Amazon delivery person with wondrous howls, which I think we're now, for anybody who's been listening for the last three weeks, you've probably heard it all three weeks, you know, in there. All right. so, I love it. They're welcome. <laughs> but, in, they're welcome in this podcast. Cool. Uh, one point is, did you have a checklist of, of what it was going to take? Did you have a family kind of, you know, whether it's conversations, sit down, wives, kids, we got colleges, we got all this stuff to think about before I make this decision, you know, of again, to say yes or to say no. Mm -hmm. And what this next phase is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my phone because I've got some notes here that I'm probably going to read if I can get through (laughs) them. Um, that are specific to this question. It's such a good question. Um, I didn't, you know, I'm a pilot. I live, I fly by checklist and it doesn't matter if you've got, if you're a pilot, it doesn't matter if you got 20,000 hours or 20 hours, you, you use a checklist for this. Um, there were very, very few items that were on my checklist. Here's a couple. I think every dude especially ones who are the primary um, earner for the home have to feel like they make decisions after doing some math about, do we have enough? I think, I think if you don't do your own math, not math with your financial advisor, not they'll do it for you and they'll probably do it well. Um, I had to do my own math and I got, I, I have my spreadsheet. It's named the enough document. And I put all of my, my assets in there, my, our spending future expenses from college to weddings to you name it. And I had to, I had to get this gut level reaction of me giving myself permission to say, I've got enough now, not enough to retire. I mean, if, if that's what you need, plan on staying, plan on giving it another three or four or five years, depending on where you're at. Now, if you're, if you're 62, you know, uh, it's a different story. I wasn't at the time I was doing the math. I was 46. So, um, but I, I had to do it. I had to, I had to go through the process of doing the math that was on the checklist. 
And I knew that I, I was fortunate. I'd lived my life by the book. I'd made good decisions and I was blessed to have had built a number of months for myself. And it could have been more without even really being all that painful, honestly. Uh, but I built up, I had saved. Why do you save? One of two reasons, to retire or to make a change. And we just keep saving to retire. And I decided this is my trade. I'm trading this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trade maybe having less at retirement for the certainty of knowing that I gave it a whirl and I gave it a chance and I went after it. And I'm like, that is a good trade. So I had to do that. That was absolutely on the checklist. The other thing that was on the checklist um, was obviously my wife. And I'm, I'm kind of disappointed, honestly, but not surprised when I talk to dudes and I ask them, we get into this intimate conversation. By the way, you probably run into this too. Guys I've never met with, guys I've never met, have no idea who they are, will come to me and share the most intimate stuff in an hour because they have to let it out. And, and they, and it's therapeutic for them. And it helps, it lets me see inside. And basically what I'm seeing is myself four years ago, but I ask them, well, what does your wife want? And what the answer is with assets, they want, they want, they want to not work. They want the house. They want the car. That's not the question. That's not the question. What does your wife want for you? And if you, even if you say those words for you, they sometimes don't even know how to answer it. But I'm like, if you think your wife wants for you to make a bunch of money and she never sees you, then I'm the wrong guy to talk to. You need a therapist. But if you think your wife wants for you to be happy and fulfilled, and if you've got to keep your car an extra year or whatever, if you think that, if you haven't bothered to ask her that, you're, you're not ready to start this. You're not, you just, you're not quite ready. You have to start there because you can't do it alone or you'll only have alone to do it. So mm-hmm. figure that out. So that was on my checklist. Do I have alignment with my spouse? And then the third is my kids. You know, I felt like if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go all in and I'm going to walk away from a great career, a guy who's known in the community for being successful. I mean, let's face it. That's that's there. And I'm going to be sitting in my living room doing podcasts while they're right out here, probably listening. If I'm going to be that guy now, I got to make sure they understand why. And I want them to be part of it. I want them to be excited by it. And I want them to turn 25, 35, 45, and 55 and say, my dad did it. My dad freaking did it, man. He gave something up to pursue what he wanted. And that was important to me. Those were the three things on my checklist. And um, that's all I needed. Mm. So, so good. Um, Particular, and I love the order in which you, you went through, you know, that checklist. And I love also that it's short because it also shows like, Hey, here's what matters most. Boom, boom, boom. This doesn't need to be 20, 30 bullet points, you know, deep in there. The plane, yes, I'll go up with you. Okay, you'll work through the whole checklist <laughs> on there. But again, back to knowing what's important in there too. And I think you're you're spot on with this in that often it's interesting, the guys that will open up, you know, and just throw up all over you because they've been waiting so long for this opportunity and they can. And then when you do find out, 
or it, it does open up the conversation. Okay. Have you discussed this with your wife or have you talked to your wife? And a lot of times I find that they're asking for before they commit or want to, or they can commit. I've got to speak to my wife or I've got to talk to my wife. And what we really find out is you're not really talking. You're not really communicating. You're asking for forgiveness or permission, you know, rather than support because you really have never kind of communicated about what's going on with you, what you really want, what you really need and what she really wants and what she really needs, you know, that's in there. It's an interesting dichotomy, especially when we have these lives. And I think a lot of the men that we work with are in similar positions where they have been for all intents and purposes, high performers, you know, and providers and doing quite, again, quite well. And wives and families are living a, a, a good life. And they're quote unquote, getting what they want, at least in terms of what they're driving or what they're wearing and where we're going and how we're living. But when you really kind of peel it back, hey, kind of like what's really important again here? You know, I do what you want. I do want you happier. I do want you healthier. If that means, again, making a little bit less or coming home a little bit earlier, or by the way, you've been leaving your vacation days on the table hmm, for the last couple of years. We prefer not to vacation without you. Hmm? Or if we took a vacation, it would be nice if you actually were present while you're present. Hmm? Like certain things like that, that again, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of meat on that bone, you know, there. Again, back to the metric of success and what, what people want for one another, what partners want for, for each other, and also what our kids look to you know, in there. I mean, I think, I think you nailed like all, all three of those. There's something really cool um, about leading by example you know, and sharing the things with, you know, with your kids and also now being able to lead by example for our contemporaries, these other men in their, you know, 40s and 50s. And I don't know if you're seeing this too, but I'm seeing a lot of younger men in particular, because we talked about, you know, men, we're not, we're not vulnerable or we're not sharing and we're not used to doing all this. And then, you know, you went out and got your certificate and I went on and just started asking questions and hiding behind a microphone, you know, because they don't want to make you to ask them, you know, that way. But I'm seeing this interesting dynamic with, with, guys in their even early and mid thirties that are much more interested in proactive. Maybe it's a little bit more, even socially acceptable, a little bit more talked about now to get out ahead of this, you know, Hey, you can help me Lon. You can help me Greg to see what's around the bend. Mm -hmm. And I want to avoid a lot of what you went through. Can you save me time? Can you save me money? Can you save me, you know, anxiety, stress? Can you shorten the learning curve? Hmm? out there. So it's an interesting demographic before they hit their normal 40, when I'm seeing, or before they become quote unquote midlife males, I'm hearing a lot more from, from younger men now. Last two calls I had were with guys that are about to have their second or third child, 35 to kind of 39, just got that promotion. Just started thinking about, oh crap, I am a waist size up. Okay. Maybe I am drinking a little bit too, too much with, with the guys. Maybe I am like getting to that spot where I'm starting to look at like, like everybody around me. What is it that I really want? Now we're going to have another child. Like, hey, 
I'm they're thinking about that stuff ahead. Are you are you seeing that because you've built a big community at Normal Forty? But I'm curious to know like what may maybe some of the other avatars are that reach out to you. Like, do you hear from women also who like I hear from a lot of women who want their men to be better. Like, I'm just curious about what your experience in this space has been. Well, I th- I think they're going to be the exact same. Um, yeah, I'm hearing from men younger, and I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, one is they had a different, if, if you're 35 versus 48, you probably had a different generation of parent, you know? So my parents, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm the fourth generation South Dakota farm kid where you just, you, you find a job, you either stay at the farm and that's what you do for your whole life because it's, it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. It is, it is what you do. It is, it is, it's everything. Um, and, uh, my parents would parent me and my siblings to be, get a good job, go as high as you can help people, you know, make money, um, be philanthropic, but go somewhere and stay as long as you can and do as much as you can as happily as you can in that company. Because if you're there, if you've got job security and you're making money to them, that's happiness. And for a long time, it really is. You can go all the way through your thirties and, and work in a good company, have the ability to, to grow, go up and make good money and, and have job security. And you are pretty happy. Um, and so that is, that's kind of what was instilled in us. I feel like the generation right below us has probably had a little bit different parenting in that their parents might have moved around a little bit more than mine did. My dad has only ever had one job his whole life, and my mom has ever had two. I mean, those were those were uh, those were the job mobility of that generation. So I think that's part of it. And yes, I love the fact that that dudes younger um, in their thirties are coming to say, "Look, how do we? I, I'm paying attention. I want to be sure that." I'm aware of the things I need to avoid so that I don't ever have to have this rediscovery at somewhere in my forties. And I love it. And there's absolutely um, things that we will talk about, have talked about that can help them. The other two questions, look, I just, I just don't want to dominate this with, with um, things that were, have already been said, but um, I tell people normal 40 is a feeling more than an age. It happens somewhere in midlife and it's, it is normal, but I get also get a lot of guys in their fifties saying, Oh, I think it's too late for me. And I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. And in fact, who told you that? Who told you that you you're going to have to prove to me why it's too late. And I'm going to be a hard one to convince because I'm going to, for every good reason you think you've got, I'm going to give you four or five things to think about. And, and, uh, and don't, don't think because you're 50 something or 60 something that the best days of your life, as it relates to your legacy, the things that you want to give away later in your life, aren't still in front of you and aren't still possible. So I see on both ends. And lastly, women. Yeah, absolutely. I actually get, I actually get a lot of messages from women because I talk to dudes. I coach women. I talk to women. My messages absolutely can be applicable to women. I just talk to dudes because guess what? I'm a dude. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's my, my thing. And I think we, we probably see the exact same stuff there. Yeah. I think it's, it's really good stuff. Um, 
you know, what I really like about the community also that you're building and the conversation even that, that we have, one, I do believe that the age is, is, is really just a number. I think we can look around. I know some really old 30-somethings and I know some really young 60-somethings, you know, in there. It's yeah. all kind of about how you operate, you know, your mindset, what you're out there doing, you know, believing over, overall. Um, and I've been shocked sometimes at how old some guys get so fast. <laughs> and I've also been pleasantly surprised by how young and vibrant some guys seem you know, through the experiences that they have, the wisdom that they've collected, the shape they continue to keep themselves in and what they're doing, you know, in their, in their fifties and sixties, you know, and, and beyond, because I do believe we have this ability now to live better and longer and happier and healthier you know, than, than ever before. And that if you are, you know, they're calling middle age or whatever it is, 37 and a life experience, you know, expectancy of, of, of 76 or, or again, you're, you're 50 and like, you could have 20, 30, 40 good years, you know, really ahead of you. So I don't believe it's ever, you know, too late to start. And if you believe it's too late to start, then I'm like, what are you living for anyway? Like, what, what, have you just resigned yourself to like, nothing better is going to happen at this point? Seems a little like, seems a little sad, you know, to me. You know, in that regard, where's what's possible and what's probable? If you want, like, here's a conversation I'll say to the guys that are listening out there right now. We're having, I'm having a conversation right now with a fourth generation South Dakota farm boy. Hmm? If you would have said that I would be having that kind of a conversation, having grown up on the North Shore of Long Island, New York City, you're like, like, couldn't be more polar opposite in terms of probably like the manner in which we were raised, the things we were exposed to, what was going on. And it opens up again, possibility and probability. Yeah. How you want to live, where you want to live, what you want to do, how much is enough? What are your values? What's important? Like there's so much out there that you can continue to experience if you're just willing to kind of open it up a little bit and see how other people do things, see how other dudes do it. Dudes like us put ourselves out there for that one reason, man. And that's why I show up. Um, I can't make you do it. I'm not even going to try to make you do it, but I am going to put it in your face that it's possible. And you're going to have to choose to look away because I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to keep putting in your face that it's possible the moment you decide to make the trade. What does a day look like for you now? I'm going to come for so, so here you are now. Mm-hmm. What, walk, walk me through what Lon's day looks like. Yeah. Um, God, what a great question. So I've, I've, I'm intentional because one of the things that I knew I wanted was control over my calendar. I didn't want things to just land on my calendar and that suddenly I was reacting to it with everything I've got. That's what happens in corporate America every single day. And it's just how it works. It's not bad. It's just how corporations work. And I didn't want that. I wanted, I wanted the time to, to be intentional. I wanted the time to be a, a friend, a friend who could have intimate conversations. I wanted the time to be a husband and I'm still working on getting better there. I wanted time to be a dad while I still share a roof for eight more days. Um, and I wanted those things. So I started with what will I tolerate in a calendar? And I said, I'll tolerate working three days a week um, where I'm letting things pop in. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, 
I'm, I'm on calls. I'm in meetings. I'm having lunches. I'm doing things to help. My mission is to help a thousand dudes write their second half story. That's it. I want 1000 thank you letters on this wall that from a thousand dudes who say, thanks for showing up in my life. You mattered. You helped me make a decision. That's my mission. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm doing things that might lead me to one of those thank you notes in maybe a year from now. That's it. Uh, and I, this, this call is one of them. You know, for us, it's Thursday at 11 uh, where I'm at. It's perfect time for me to do exactly that. I'm hoping I get one dude reach out to you and me and say, Greg Lon, thanks for showing up. You sons of bitches made me stop and think, and I'm going to make a change. That is winning for me. That's my mission. That's what I fill up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Mondays and Fridays are wild cards. I might go flying. I might go uh, take my, uh, go do something with my kids, might do something with my wife. I often go to the farm, but I love getting up in the morning and knowing that there's a really good chance that there is not one thing on my calendar. And if I want to make a long weekend of it, I'll go do it. And, uh, and that's, that honestly has been the single best thing for my mental health, my, my happiness, my energy, my clarity, cognitive clarity, um, that I've ever had in my whole life. And, and, uh, um, I hope, I hope I can hang on to it. Mm, so, so good. Juan, how do guys find you or guys, men, women, anybody, how does anybody find you, get in touch with you, uh, follow you, join your community? You know I mean? Again, you're, you're putting out great stuff and I want to make sure that we steer everybody in your direction that can benefit from what you're doing. It's super easy, man. Cause I, I'm not a lot of places. You can go to normal40.com. That's my website. And it's really simple. I put most of my content on LinkedIn and right now I'm a one man show. Um, you know, the, the website is largely a product of something I've built. The, the content is 100% mine. I post it the morning I write it. So it's not, you know, I don't have the next 10 canned. Um, and so those are really the two places I show up. You can book a call with me on either. You can direct message me on both. Email is just lon at normal 40. Um, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, but those are, those are the two places to come, to come looking for me. But I want to, I, I want to say though, Greg, man, I love what you're doing, dog. I, I I know this is your podcast and you're you're trying to give me some props here, but I love it. I love what you're doing. I love your brand. I love how you show up. I love that you reached out to me and said, hey, dude, let's chat. Because some people, some people in this space would view two dudes who help the same exact avatar as competitors. But man, there are so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dudes who need just people to show up and say, Hey, here's my story. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can't. And I love that you do it. And I love your consistency. I love your brand. And I really, really hope you keep it up boss. Oh, I appreciate it. Look, the feeling is mutual. And I, um, it's a great point that you made. And I'm actually glad you, 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 you brought it up there. Um, you know, for one, and, and this is even me for one, there's room for everybody. Hmm. There's absolutely room for everybody out there. Um, guys that set up a call with me that might be thinking about whether it is coaching or advice or whatever, I may not be the right fit for everybody. And also, what I want to know is I want to know also who are the best players in the game you know, out there? Who may be the right fit? How do we pay it forward? And also, like I saw this 
even early on in, in business and in other areas, it's easy to get competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, what's actually really more interesting mm -hmm, is can you embrace the competition? You know, if you can, you learn what I realize is they're not really competition. Like these are like-minded dudes. We got the same methodology. We got the same interests. You know, we're putting our own individual stamp on it. We can learn from each other. There's plenty of guys to help. There's no shortage of guys out there to help right. you know, in there. So I love this, this notion now also, which again, I think has made me happier, really like Healthy competition. We can all rise together. I've now seen it in business. I've seen it with, with coaching and help. I've seen it with guesting on different shows and having different guys on and hearing, you know, different viewpoints. I'm seeing it now with, with speaking, you know, out there, you're getting a book out there and doing, and doing speaking. It's like, you know, you could see one another. We speak on the same topics or similar type things, and you could see those things being competitive, but the truth really is for guys that are listening. The truth is there's room for all of us in all of these spaces and places and industries and things or whatever we're talking about. The guy that speaks on the stage in front of Microsoft at their annual convention this year, not speaking there next year. Run right. They're looking for new talent. Like it's going to yeah. you know, be friends with that guy. Because yeah. guess what he's going to do? He's, he's going to recommend you, you know, and then you're going to recommend him. And if it's the right guy for Lon, it should be the right guy for Lon. If it's the right guy for, great, you know, out there. So I'm glad you came to that. And I think it's actually, it's, all, it's, a, it's a good place to almost, you know, leave is like, guys, just find people you relate to, you know, find people that are out ahead. Your best competitors are probably, you know, have the opportunity to be your biggest, you know, the guys you can learn the most from, the guys that can push you to be the best. Give them a client. They'll give you a client, whatever it may be, a reason in there too. And like, what a better way that I had to learn the hard way versus thinking like, hey, I got to push it uphill myself. This is my competition. My competition is against me and I should be against, you know, them. Yeah. So I just look, see that. I don't know about you. Like now, you know, like I used to go to some of these, like, like we'd be invited to these events, you know, like an insurance carrier would invite all the top performers from around the area or whatever, you know, we're all there together or this. I used to view it again. I used to wonder about the guys like, wow, like, these guys are friends with one another. Aren't they supposed to be fierce competitors? Yeah. I got it wrong. Here's a case in point. Um, inside of LinkedIn, I got a private group for, for people who are struggling with exactly what you and I are talking about. And, um, you know, you and I had been popping some messages back and forth and you asked to get in that group. And I'm like, hell yeah, get on in. And by the way, if you get a client out of there, if you can help, if you get one of those letters, awesome. I'd appreciate it if you say, hey, Doug, this guy and I are crushing it. Uh, who else can I help? That'd be cool for me to know just because I love that. I love to yeah. know that. And it's that so, I'm grateful You're for you to let me you're, That's some coaches would say, no, no more coaches in here. And I'm like, hell no, man. If you, it, the dudes in there are there because guess what? They showed up and they're saying, I'm here. What, what, what do I need to know? And if you can help them, Greg, in a way that I can't, man, dude, this is good. So I think it comes full circle. You know, I think you get me for, a, there's a maturity to it. It's something that's taken a while, you know, for me personally to learn and to gravitate towards and, and embrace. Um, it also shows a lot of character too, you know, as we're, okay, 
who's cool and comfortable enough, you know, to, to let me in, you know, who's cool and comfortable enough to come on, you know, and go back and forth with this and see different things out there. And again, a part of that checklist, like, that's who I want to be around. That's who I'm inspired by. Somebody who wants to help a thousand guys. Great. How fast can I help him help a thousand guys? Guess what? If he helps a thousand guys, I might be able to help 400. Like again, whatever the measure metric of success is, Juan's able to live Tuesday through Friday, you know, and work these days. Okay. Maybe I'm more, we all have a thing. How do we help each other get again where we where we want to go? So I really I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing. Obviously, I love what you do, man. And 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 keep it up and and keep doing it. And I think to your point, like this is just the beginning for all of us. We're just scratching the surface. Yeah, man. I'm eight months in. I have I I am as as curious as the next person as to where I'll be eight months from now. I'll be doing this. That's not what I'm saying what it looks like, what I'm doing. Um, I, I mean, I am writing a book. I am going to continue to, to grow and try to find new ways to get a message out there. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I just show up curious. I showed up curious to this call. We set off the top. We hadn't talked for more than one minute when you hit record. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time we chatted and, uh, and what a gift. I love that. No prep. Hey, I think I got an idea what this dude is all about. You know, here it is. Yeah. Let's just put it out there. Let's hit the button quickly so we don't leave anything out there. Like, and 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 here you go. So so thank you so much for it. Um, I really, you're welcome anytime. There's going to be a lot that we're going to pick up. I want to know where you are eight months from now. You know, I want to keep up with what's going on in in the group and what you're all about and what the guys in there, you know, are are thinking and talking about. If there's any way I can help you and your community as well, like. That, that's what I'm here for and all about. So, Lon Strohshine, thank you so much. Normal 40, Midlife Mail podcast, communicating, collaborating, really cool way to spend a morning. So, thank you. You're welcome, man. Thanks for reaching out. And uh, we'll do this again, boss. No doubt about it. All right, guys. If you like what you have heard on the Midlife Mail podcast, please leave us that five-star rating. Put down a nice review. Share it with everybody you know. Keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Go give Lon a follow. Go find him on LinkedIn. Become a part of that group. He will let you in, okay? And absolutely here to help as you pursue your normal 40 as well. You need me, Greg at midlifemail.com. Midlifemail.com is more information. You can find it. I am not hard to find. So until next week, we are out. Thank you, guys. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the work with me page to explore options.